Welcome to Evan Makovsky's podcast. I am yours truly, Evan Makovsky, and it's my pleasure to have David Albritton. He is the founder and CEO of 1988 Strategies. He has an absolutely fascinating story. He is a man of unbelievable accomplishment. David, how are you today? I'm doing great, Evan. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, David, why don't you tell everybody about the consultancy you founded, 1988 Strategies? Yeah, 1988 Strategies is a consulting firm. We focus on executive coaching, leadership development, organizational consulting. Now, I have a almost 25-year career as a public relations executive and business executive. Under the umbrella of organizational consulting, there's a lot of different services based on that background. But the firm will be leaning towards more of uh, the executive coaching and leadership development since that's a passion of mine that I just recently started to jump into. And I'm really enjoying the experience thus far. David, your daughter was diagnosed with leukemia this past March. And first of all, I'm really sorry about this. My heart goes out to you. But that was the impetus, first and foremost, of you founding 1988 Strategies, is that you needed more flexibility. So you left an extremely impressive post as Vice President of Communications at Amazon Web Services just after four months. Please take us inside this decision. Yeah, it was a really tough decision. I had just started at Amazon in December of last year. I was honored to work for the company. It was a phenomenal uh, experience. And then unfortunately, you know, my daughter got the diagnosis in early March. And as a father, and as important as my children are to me, as my family is in general, it was the biggest gut punch that I had ever experienced in my life. And I just didn't know what to do. You know, when you get that diagnosis of leukemia, uh, of course, there's many thousands of people that survive and do well, but then there's others who don't. And in that moment, I really just wanted to focus on her and didn't need any other distractions in my life. And so after probably a month and a half of kind of being there with her in Philadelphia, where she and my other daughter live as well, it just, I had the epiphany of the fact that I better make some choices about my life that will provide me with the best flexibility to support her in whatever way she needs. Because I don't know what that means short term, and I definitely don't know what that means long term. And as her father, I just wanted to be available. And as important and high profile as that job was, uh, I was all encompassed all the time. And I just didn't feel that at that moment in time in my life, I could give Amazon everything I, that they deserved out of me in that important position. So I made the hard decision to resign. Thankfully, Amazon, as big as a company as it is, the leadership was very supportive. I was supporting Andy Jassy, then when he's the CEO of Amazon Web Services, uh, who's now moved on to be the CEO of Amazon. But Andy was phenomenal. He said, David, family first. I commend you for your decision. And if you ever want to come back, um, you know, please feel free. But as I was contemplating that, you know, I, I lamented one of uh, the quotes in one of my favorite movies, The Shawshank Redemption, where Morgan Freeman said, get busy living or get busy dying. And as I thought about my own life and, you know, what's going on with me at that particular moment in my life, I'm 55 years old. I probably was going to hang up the cleats and get off the corporate football field probably by age 60 and start a consulting business just to stay engaged. And something told me, well, why not do it now? You've got the financial wherewithal. You need time and flexibility to do things that you don't know about yet. And so this is probably a great time to do it. 
And so I pulled the trigger to make it happen. Uh, of course, I consulted with many of my friends and mentors and colleagues to kind of get insights uh, about what that actually, you know, you talk about mentorship. I probably have 13, 15 mentor coaches, people who have their own successful coaching businesses to understand the ins and outs of what a coaching business is since I'd never done that before. And, um, and so uh, I took the lead in the April, May timeframe, and I've been very pleased with how things are going thus far. Well, 1998 provides a mixture of services, David, ranging from executive coaching, leadership development, and public speaking, to as well as public relations, DEI, business strategy organization consulting. Can you tell me a little bit of your background in these areas? Absolutely. As I mentioned, I was a career public relations executive, almost 30 years, starting off in the U.S. Navy as a public affairs officer and then transitioning into a corporate public relations guy. So a lot of expertise there with business, you know, in the Fortune 500 arena. And so a lot to offer there. And uh, as I'm consulting kind of as a secret weapon for some companies now, using that background and experience, uh, I'm enjoying that. But as I mentioned, you know, I'm very interested in shifting into the executive coaching piece. And I've got probably, I've got more than 30 hours of official um, qualified training uh, certified by the International Coach Federation as I try to get that certification hopefully next year because I really want to jump in the pond and be coaching the right way. Coaching is much different than mentoring. Uh, I've been a career mentor, probably mentored hundreds of people, and I've always just inherently done that. And even as I've launched this coaching business where I get paid to talk to people, uh, I still mentor people regularly. I, I find, you know, during my week, probably three to five hours a week, I'm talking to somebody about their career, about the choices they're making, et cetera. And I don't do it for any monetary gain. I do it because I just really have an internal desire to help people in that regard. Um, that was one of the reasons that uh, coaching even came up for me is that, you know, as I contemplated what retirement might be, I absolutely didn't think I wanted to shut my brain off and just go away. You know, I miss reading newspapers being engaged with issues, seeing what's going on around the world, and being engaged with people who are still working is a way to stay engaged as well. But, you know, from a coaching perspective, I mean, you know, it's thinking about what's possible, right? Thinking about where people are presently, thinking about where they're headed. And as a coach, I can help people gain clarity about their vision, look at obstacles that might be in the way of their success, and actually maybe even accelerate the, their personal growth uh, in the corporate environment as well. Um, and so that's what I really enjoy. And so, but as I'm jumping into this industry of coaching, there are some folks that don't require a professional certifications, but there, but there are many that do. And so I'm currently enrolled in Georgetown University's leadership coaching certificate program. It starts next month. For six months, I'll be able to take the test to become a certified uh, professional coach uh, sanctioned by the International Coach Federation. Really looking forward to getting that certification. Uh, because I think it opens so many doors for me to be viewed as someone who's not just a business executive, but somebody who is uh, a professional coach and can help people kind of get out of their own way. Following up on that quickly, what? give us an example of a question on that test. 
You know, I don't. I haven't seen that test yet. <laughs> you better. You better <laughs> so, study. You better. You yeah, better well, study. I have a lot to do. It, it's. I. I am. You know, I haven't been in school in some years now, so it's going to be a renewed experience here. <laughs> um, it's funny. Just this past weekend, my son is a, a sophomore at Elon University, double major computer engineering, computer science, and uh, as we're, you know, I'm in his element and watching him perform, and I'm listening to his friends talk about him and how much he works. I mean, it's Friday night, 2 a.m., and he's still working or something. He's definitely not me in college, because I don't know that I was doing that. But uh, I was impressed with just the level of commitment that the young man has. And, and so um, in my own mind, I'm going to provide that level of commitment to this work here at Georgetown so that I learn and absorb as much as I can and be fully prepared for that test. I hear it's a three-hour experience, and I definitely want to come out on top of it. David, I know your business is about five months old, but you offer a wide variety of services for a new business. Where are you in this process as the calendar is turning to October? Things are going to start heating up a little bit. I've got uh, you know, some contacts who were in discussions on some opportunities for me as you know, we turn into the fall to support them in various ways. I'm looking forward to that. Over the summer, I picked up some coaching clients that I'm currently working with. Every week, I'm getting introduced to new people and reaching deeper into my network and those types of things. And so that'll start picking up. But at the same time, be starting this course here at Georgetown. So I have to absolutely dedicate some time to focus on that as well. I think with the newness of this business, I have the opportunity to assess what lane is going to be the best one for me over time, which one's resonate with the, the most with me, where the most opportunities are. It's great to be in that position right now. I'm truly enjoying the flexibility of you know, being able to work wherever I, I am. I'm in Philadelphia a lot, um, see my daughters and my grandkids, which is great. Well, this summer, I, I had my grandkids a couple of times for more than a week. And if I was still working, I wouldn't be able to spend all day with them and going to the water park and the, the aquarium and camping and fishing and all those things that granddads do with grandkids. I would have been working all day and talking to them at night. So the great thing about that was that me, Pop Pop, got to spend the time with the kids. But the, the other great benefit was it gave my daughter a break so that she could get a rest and just kind of heal herself physically because, you know, this chemo does take a toll on her body. And she has to definitely moderate those side effects as best she can so she can operate on a relatively normal basis. So anything I can do to help her in that way is, is what I've been focused on most of the summer. David, why is it called 1990, uh, 1988? Rather, 1988 was a special year for me, probably for different reasons. Can you talk about how you arrived at the name 1988 Strategies? Yeah, absolutely. It was a very special year for me. That was the year I graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy. As I look at my career and how it began and everything else, I owe everything to that experience, uh, the four years at the Naval Academy, and even the one year prior to that where I went to the Naval Academy Preparatory School. Those are my formative years, and I learned a lot about myself. I learned, I think one of the most important things I learned there was that when you hit the wall and you don't think you can go any further, you can really push yourself to get over that wall, around that wall, even break the damn wall down. And so I learned things about myself that just pushed me in directions that I never thought I'd be able to do. And I also learned just the importance of how to become a great leader, how to really involve yourself in the experience of people's lives, and also how to lean on and trust people around you. You learn so much as a team. You don't get to any experience in the military without the team around you. 
think that's one of the greatest things I carried forward into my corporate uh, career was just that mentality of it's all about the team. How can the team succeed? And giving everybody a chance to contribute to the ultimate success of that team. And so the pride I had in graduating from the institution just kind of made sense to name my business that. So here we are. Works for me, even though it was only four months, David, and we're talking to David Albritton, the founder and CEO of 1988 Strategies, even though only four months and you left under extenuating personal circumstances, what was it like to work for Amazon? Take us behind the curtain of maybe the rulers of the world. <laughs> wow. Um, phenomenal, fascinating company. That company is, I've been following Amazon for some years, which is why I was so excited when I had the opportunity to get considered for Amazon. And then as I got inside and just saw the phenomenon of just how large this company is, how fast it's moving, how fast it's growing, it was a phenomenal part, you know, to be a part of, of that uh, experience. Uh, you know, I was in Amazon Web Services, uh, you know, particularly if you look at the exponential growth of that business unit over the 10 plus years of its existence. That is just unheard of when you, you have double-digit growth consistently year over year over year. But the people inside the company, just very, very nice, supportive. The crazy part of you know, even onboarding with Amazon is that I never met a single Amazonian in person. I did all of my interviews online. I did every meeting online. Using well, it was COVID world, though, right? It was COVID world. And so, you know, I never had that experience before. Um, and so that was a challenge in and of itself. But then, you know, because I had a global team, just meeting and talking to people and engaging with people around the world was something I'd done you know, previously in other jobs. But, you know, in this environment, um, with the quality of people that work uh, in that company, you know, one of the fascinating things about onboarding there, going through the interview process, is how strenuous um, interview process is. Uh, I don't think I'd ever been as prepared for an interview cycle as I was going in. I'd watched hours of video, uh, watching 14 leadership principles and everything else. And then just the detail for which, you know, the interviewers ask questions and how much information they want out of you. It was very intense, but very gratifying once you got selected. I, I really felt a sense of accomplishment and honored that I got selected by that company. And as hard as it was to make the decision to leave, I still have great friends inside the company to you know, stay in touch with and plans to stay in touch with because I really appreciated the opportunity to join them and uh, you know, help them, at least for those four months, uh, you know, uh, succeed on their mission to continue to grow that company. Uh, I wish them all the best in, uh, in their fortitude endeavors uh, just because I'm, I'm still always going to be a fan of them. You've worked for massive corporations, David. Prior to that, you were president at General Motors Defense. I think everyone knows GM. And three years prior to that, you were working for GM. But what is GM Defense and what were you doing for them? You were in Detroit. Give us the Cliff Notes work on your entire time at GM and GM Defense. Well, okay, so I started at GM back in 2015 in communications roles as deputy director for global product development. I'd come from, I was the chief communications officer of a company called Excellus. Excellus got acquired by Harris Corporation. The current GM president, Mark Royce, was on our board at Excellus, and as the company was about to be acquired, uh, basically pulled me aside and said, you're not going to have a job, why don't you come work for me at GM? And I was honored. Uh, Mark is just an icon in the automotive industry, such a nice guy. Became such a great friend. And uh, so I went to work for him as his communications lead. He owned all 34,000 
here at IGM. Think about this is the process of designing and uh, producing cars up until manufacturing. It produces about 10 million cars a year globally. It's just a fascinating situation all around. And so, uh, you know, I hadn't worked in the auto industry uh, before, and so lots to learn, uh, but, you know, folks inside were great. And so, yeah, I did uh, commute from D.C. where my family stayed in part in Detroit. I stayed there for three and a half years. In 2017, DM recreated a previous company that they had, General Motors Defense. They sold the previous creation uh, of that in 2003 to General Dynamics. But based on their investments in things like uh, autonomous vehicles, and lithium-ion batteries for battery vehicles, um, and other battery-powered equipment, and just the advancements in vehicles, the company wanted to jump back into the Department of Defense arena um, and look at opportunities not only in the U.S., but also globally. They actually made some leadership changes in 2018, and I was asked to become the president of Defense. I'd already been on the board at Team Defense, just based on my background in the defense industry and being a naval officer. Uh, so I was truly honored to kind of step outside for the first time in my career at my functional role as a public relations practitioner and become, you know, the chief executive general manager of a business unit. Yeah. Did that for two years, um, you know, got team up and running. You know, we won a great, uh, nice contract called the uh, Infantry Squad Vehicle, which is a U.S. Army contract. Beat out some incumbents, uh, which doing pretty well. And, you know, uh, I'd never worked outside of PR for so many years. The Amazon opportunity uh, kind of came up, and it, you know, it was just one of those points of inflection in a career that says, you know, well, what's your purpose, and what do you really enjoy doing, and what would you want to do uh, for the remainder of your career? And I felt like two, three, five, ten years from now, would I re regret turning down an opportunity to work for a company I, I so admired, like Amazon? And I made the decision to leave, and that was a, a, a tough one. But uh, you know, the team at GM is, is still doing great stuff. Uh, I think we got a, a solid uh, you know, foundation with the team we brought in and grew, and uh, was nothing but successful going forward as well. David, you went to undergrad, and you alluded to this earlier at the U.S. Naval Academy. You got a postgrad degree from the Naval Postgraduate School. How did you end up there? What did you study, and how did it serve your life? Wow. Yeah, so um, the Naval Academy actually came up when I was in seventh grade, living in Denver, Colorado back then. I'm from, originally from Philadelphia, but we moved out to Denver and Aurora, Colorado for the last year as a kid. And one of my friends in middle school's oldest brother was a midshipman at the Naval Academy. He came home with his stories in his uniform, and we, all his kids said, oh, man, we're going to the Naval Academy. But then we moved back to Philly, and this was back in the late 70s, and, you know, we didn't have cell phones and email and all that stuff. So I lost touch with all those guys. Well, then as I get into high school in Philly, uh, Ironically, my football coach um, was, had been a reserve naval officer. And when he learned my interest in going to the Naval Academy, he just pumped me up. And, you know, he continued to kind of help me prepare academically and physically and mentally and everything else. And so when I applied to all the schools I applied to, uh, I got into every school except the U.S. Naval Academy. <laughs> but something about either my SAT scores or my grades or something just wasn't enough to, to uh, get accepted directly. So they offered me to the opportunity to go to the Naval Academy Prep School, which I took. And it was probably the best professional decision I've ever made. I was 17 years old, uh, had great grades, but I wasn't a great student because I don't really know how to study at the time. And so going to the prep school for a year to kind of mature and 
get away from home and you know have that military experience and get yelled at being military situation was truly helpful preparing me to you know for the plebe year at the, the naval academy and so then yeah i was off and you know once i graduated i spent 10 years as an officer in the navy started off on ships served on a ship uh, that went over as you know, the storm then uh, went to graduate school to postgraduate school out in monterey california and then switched careers to navy public affairs so i did five years as a surface warfare guy driving ships and five years as a uh, a public affairs officer, which was an experience I really enjoyed. So great, you know, foundation for what became, uh, you know, almost 30, 30 year career, you know, overall. And very proud of, of that service. And you should be, David. So I think you've given us more than, or maybe 10 times more the, than the average human being. But what would you like the world to know about David Albritton or 1998 or personal passions on top of everything we've just covered? Wow. Um, that's a nice broad question. Really, I think, you know, my love for my family. I am a bass fisherman. We love our being with the family, it's all about family for us, but uh, I truly, really enjoy engaging with and helping people, which is why I'm thoroughly enjoying this opportunity to jump into executive coaching. I think one of the differentiators I have as a coach is the fact that I've had a almost 25-year career in corporations. And if you think about somebody who is uh, a senior manager today that aspires to be a senior vice president one day, and how they go on that journey, not all coaches are able to articulate that clearly because they haven't had that experience. Well, I have. I started off as a public relations specialist at the lowest end of the totem pole at Sears Roebuck Company in 98. And literally, almost 20 years to the month, I became the president of EM Defense. So that was a phenomenal experience in 20 years that I'm able to bring into my coaching practice. And so what I find is I'll operate as a coach mostly with my clients, but I'm also to also step aside for a second and offer some mentorship and some counseling about uh, how one might think about you know, managing the career. And so I think that uh, combination is, you know, I'm hopeful that it'll serve me well as I continue to grow in 1988. David Albritton, founder and CEO of 1988 Strategies, 1988strategies.com. You have a higher calling in this world. It's been a pleasure to interview you. Thank you. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. And I am Evan Makofsky. Thanks to David Albritton, founder and CEO of 1988 Strategies. And we will see you on the next episode.